just for a second here. Where is Lindsay and Brett? Is Brett? Hey, Bubba. Um, I'm really excited about their new life group that they're starting. Brett, why don't you stand? I want to make sure that if you want to know who Brett, I don't know where Miss Lindsay's at. Oh, she's at home. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. Amen. So, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about their life group. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. We got a great day today. Uh, like I said, Jeff was with us, has been with us all weekend. It's been great having him with us. We did a, uh, called a, uh, really a, called a Destiny Finders Workshop. It's a discovery of what God's put within you for his purposes to walk out. Your passions, your dreams, giftings. It was so amazing weekend. And we had a great turnout. If you weren't able to be here, we're going we're gonna to continue to do this. We're going to even begin to uh, hopefully begin to start supplying some small groups that's going to be teaching this material. So it's because it's so vital, so important for you to know how God has wired you, how God has gifted you, and, um, and what, what's the giftings that flow out of your life so you know how to connect and how to serve and how to be used by God. And that's so powerful, so important. And uh, so we just had, man, we just had an amazing week, really did. Uh, if, you were, if you were here this weekend, will you just stand up? I want to say everybody, we are so glad that you're here. Amen. Had a good many people. Hallelujah. Had some people from some other churches that were with us also, so it was great. Once again, I want to thank Tim and Keisha Sowers that uh, helped to organize this weekend and did a great job. And thank you so much, you know. As you know, when we bring a guest in, um, we want to bless our guests. Amen? You know? Uh, when, when we invite someone over to our home, we say, we're going to have supper. We're going to have something. We're going to bless you. I'm going to tell you, we don't bring out the cheese and bologna, okay? There's nothing wrong with cheese and bologna, all right? I've eaten a lot of cheese and bologna in my day, you know? But we... <laughs> We want to we wanna do something that's going to be our best. Now, our table is talking about uh, Russia. I've been into Russia quite a bit and Ukraine and things like that. And I want to tell you, when, when they invite you into their home, the, the concept or the idea of feeding you goes to another level. It is amazing. They... It's amazing because I've been in homes when I, where, I, where I knew they didn't have the means to be able to do what they're doing. But they would save up and they would just bless and bless. And the amount of food is, is amazing. And they don't understand the word, I'm full. That's not in the Ukrainian-Russian vocabulary, I'm full, you know. And because they always think, well, you can eat more. You can eat more. But, but what I'm trying to get across here is that when we have a guest, we want to bless them. Amen? And so we're going to receive another offering today, a love offering for Jeff. He's going to be ministering with us this morning. Really excited about that. But just to bless him, to thank him for coming here to Richmond, his first time here in Richmond. And I want him to go back to California and just say, guys, man, you just... You don't understand 
man, what Richmond's like, you know, what this church is like that I've been, I went into and how they treated me, you know. And that's, that's one testimony that I want to be shared about us of how we treat people and the honor that we bestow upon people's lives. Amen? So I want, you, I want us to pray right now. And why don't you ask the Lord, Lord, how can I bless this man? It's a gift from God. A gift from God. So I want to bless this man. Father, we thank you this morning. God, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing in all of our lives, Father. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have positioned us, God, as we have received from you to bless others. God, you've positioned us in that way. So, Father, I thank you right now that you will just put upon our hearts, this is what I want you to bless with this morning. This is how I want you to bless. So, Father, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Let me encourage you one other thing that... uh, Maybe you didn't bring an extra offering this morning to be able to give, but you can go on our website to our giving page, and there's, there's a tab once you get into the giving page part of it that will say special speaker, all right? So you could go on to our giving page and give through your, your phone app or whatever and be able to give on the special speaker, and that's going to go to Jeff, amen? All right, so guys, we, y'all ready to... Pass the bags this morning, and uh, hey, sweetie. All right. So, all right. Let's let's keep let's have grins on our faces as we do this. Okay. All right. It's like no, hallelujah. Give with joy. Give with cheer. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. If you notice, we, we, we have welcomed some of our children up here this morning, I believe. They are with us. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, our children's ministry, they do such an awesome job. And uh, this weekend has been such a powerful weekend. Uh, we talked with Faith, and, and we said, listen, just you guys come up here. Bring the kids up here. You know, and just set under the richness of what God's doing and what he's bringing. Amen. So, okay, can we all stand up, even as we're giving? All right, and let's give a, 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 a welcome of thanks and appreciation to Jeff Whitmer. Come on, Jeff. Thank you all. You may see that's really cool that you take up the offering before they hear me speak. That's really good. Can they do it by faith? I love it. Oh, so good to be here with you. Um, welcome from Redding, California. Um, now, can I see again how many people were at the conference or the workshop yesterday? Wow, awesome. Good. I hope you all got something out of that. Um, again, just it's just good to be here, and I do want to get right into what I want to share, but I, I do want to acknowledge the the generosity of your your lead pastors here, actually your whole pastoral team. Um, you know, when you travel and go into different churches, um, you you know there's a you know there's an aspired values, and then there's actual values, right? A lot of churches have aspired values, what we're going after, our vision statement, and there are actual. 
Um, I think a lot of pastors feel the discrepancy of that, but it's so refreshing to come into an environment that actually is so authentic with what they're going after, where, they, where you embody the, the culture of the values that you embrace. And you just, you feel it in the atmosphere. So as a guest coming into your house, um, I mean, from the first moment I walked in here, it was just like generosity and hospitality. And um, so just well done, everybody. You're just, you're representing kingdom well. Um, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, I'm sure that flows down from your leadership here, but also how this church embodies it. Um, so just want to make that observation and, and thank you for that. It's very refreshing. Um, yeah, we had a great time yesterday, and I have um, this, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, dreaming wide awake, yeah. and this message, I actually, I don't want to just meander too much off course, I, I have a tendency to do that, um, but I want to stay on point with what I want to share with you today, but if this is something that how many note takers do you have? Are there in here? People love to take notes. Okay, so all the note takers are on this side of the church. What's up with that? It's like, <laughs> um, so I do have. <laughs> I do have. So this is what I share with you. I'm going to share some impartation with you. But I also, because it's a value to me to be sure that I bring value to you, um, I want to make these notes available to you. If you would email me, I think I'm, Zach is working on putting the, my email on the up here. So if you email me and put notes in the subject line, um, I will um, I'll send you a copy of these notes. It's, it's a lot more content than what I'm going to be able to share with you. Um, so I'll be glad to send that to you. And also, if you want to be added to our mailing list, um, so we will get that to you as well um, to, to add you to that. So um, Papa, we just give you thanks. What an awesome morning already just with the hospitality, the, re- the refreshing that we've had in your presence, uh, and just the, the, the community that's here is so refreshing to us. Um, and we just thank you for that. We thank you because it's your presence that makes it all a reality. And there's joy in your presence, and we thank you for the celebration of Trinity that we get to touch and, ce- and celebrate in our own lives as we communicate and commune with each other. And now, Papa, as we just receive your word, I just... I thank you for a divine impartation into our lives as the hearts of your sons and daughters just interface with heaven and and interface with truth, that we would have the grace to respond to truth, that that truth would inform our minds what needs to be recalibrated. We thank you for just new ideas and new concepts and an awakening in our heart to go after the God-given dreams of our life. So, Papa, I thank you for everything you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I shared in the last couple of days that, um, you know, as a lead pastor for uh, over 20 years in northern Ohio, um, we had a school ministry, and, and I just realized that so much of my passion is just through counseling and coaching over the last 11 or some years and, and being in our Bethel community and communicating with students literally from around the globe. I have a, and you just do, do a lot of cross-sections of people. And this, there's something really common in the hearts of people that I find everywhere. And that you, this clarion call to, wake, to awaken people to the hearts of people. 
And I realized that my, my passion in this season is actually as, as a pastor of Hope Community. I still do in a way, but now it's just like going after individuals. And, um, and I think this, this, this idea, sometimes there's this little bit of sadness that many people have in the morning, especially when they're waking in the midst of your morning coffee. Um, and that's this, I believe it's the soul, but there must be another part of us that sort of awakens and actually champions the dream. wake-up call to, um, to live our lives in between fame and significance. And it really comes down to who you're doing it for. This is doing it for others. And becoming the best version of yourself, not because you're so awesome, even though you are awesome, but because of the awesome one who lives in us that wants to express himself through us to change the world around us. And I think we owe it to a world to give our very best. I believe the world is, wake, is waiting for us to believe that we matter. And I believe the world around you is waiting for you to believe that you really matter. And so we want to just break that sense of insignificance and low uh, self-esteem that stems from a faulty self-concept and really come down to this reality of our unique grand design for our lives. Um, so as I was thinking about this, even in my own personal life, um, I shared the story so much over the weekend and, and different times that I don't want to go into it now. But one thing I do know is... I. I came to this place where I want to live my best dreams wide awake. Yes. You know how many of you just had great dreams when you're sleeping and you have ideas rolling around in your head, you have things percolating in your spirit, and you have these ideas, but you feel like you've never really put traction to those. And I realized I've had so many dreams for what I wanted to do with my life and through my life, and... Um, and I left uh, leading a church and running a school of ministry. We had a television ministry. We'd had all this wonderful stuff going on. And I remember walking away from that, not because, and because of what I was going after and no longer satisfied, but because I felt the Lord was inviting me into something more. And I wasn't sure what that more was until I laid it all down. And then once I laid it all down, I believe what God was inviting me into was true significance. And that significance came out of embracing a God-given dream and deciding that I wanted to live my dreams wide awake. So now there's this sense where I, I battle with sleep sometimes because I can't wait to get up in the morning. It's so crazy because I, I, I try to go to sleep at night. My, my wife, I drive her crazy because I pile pillows between us so I can still be on my phone and checking emails and doing different things and, and reading at night. And I have to put this shield up because it drives her crazy from the glow of my little screen. And, uh, and then when I get up in the morning, some days I, I do have to, you know, you know I, I bulletproof my coffee. So I got the blender on at 4 o'clock in the morning and... There are times that I, I slog my way into my study and look at my coffee cup and whisper to it and said, be strong, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to need you today. But still, there are those days that I, I just feel like there's so much to go after, and, and it really comes down to this sort of thing, um, is, is what are we going after? You know, I, I love being around God's people because I, we all carry that divine spark inside of us, and it's exciting looking around and you know, we're wrapped in this glorious body that we have, but inside there's this divine spark. There's this essence of God that holds his dreams. The dream, the destiny, DNA code of your life. And I think we all live with this sense of an awareness that there's something drawing us in the future, into the future. 
Do you ever feel that? There's, there's just something drawing you and the sense of movement in our life. And I've noticed that there's a little difference between being drawn by something of God and led by the Spirit and be driven by our unfinished business. There's both of them create a sense of movement, but one, I know I'm in pursuit of something. The other, I feel like I'm running from something. And I just feel that there's a sense of, I want to recalibrate moving away from the past and looking towards the future because I, I know, I mean, I know, I'm so convinced of this, that each one of us have a more glorious future than our inglorious past. And, and, and as listen to the scripture in, Je- in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Now, anytime uh, uh, someone is highlighted in the Bible, that is because their story is zoomed out for you and I to find ourselves in the text. So when Jeremiah heard this from the Lord, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That was not just meant for him. That's meant for you as well. So God says, I know the plans I have for you. And what were the plans? They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. God is always about being present future with us. He always is thinking about our unique design and what he put in in us before we were formed. And when I look at this scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. I also couple that with Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18, that says, How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. They cannot be numbered. If I even count them, they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. So what he's saying, when we wake up in the morning, when we get up in the morning, we're on God's mind. He's thinking about us. You were on his mind this morning. When I look at these two verses, how precious are your thoughts? They can't be numbered. I'd have to count the sand on the shore of every beach in the world to outnumber the thoughts that you're thinking about me. But when I link it with Jeremiah, I realize what he's thinking about are thoughts of my future. God is always weaving together the very details of your life to position you for good to bring good into your lives because he's bringing you into his purpose according to his grand design. And that's in Psalm, uh, or Romans 8.28 in the Passion Bible. This, he said that I am convinced that every detail of my life is being woven together to position me to bring good into my life. Yes. And I think about that is because you are passionate about us. He's passionate about us and he's passionate about what he put inside you. Now, how many how many runners do we have in here? I know Keisha is. We actually ran in, in uh, Reading when I met her there. So we got some runners in here. How many runners do we have? What do the rest of you all do? <laughs> I, I have a friend, and he's not what Pilates and oh, you guys do. Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. You run to the bath. Wait, to the bathroom or in the bathroom? I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, that's bad. Um, and pastor's been 
Your pastor's been throwing me curveballs since I've known him. You know, we're in a convert. You know what a changeup pitch is for those of you who play baseball? It's like you're expecting a fastball. Next thing you know, it's a changeup, and you know you don't see it coming. Well, he's in the middle of a conversation with me constantly. Then he has, throws a changeup. You know, I get a low slider outside or something. I just don't see his jokes coming. I'm starting to get him though. I'm, I mean, you notice that about him. It's like in the middle of a conversation, you're being soothed by his comforting words, and then low and outside. I tell you. Just, oh, man, you got me, you got me, bro. Jeez. Awesome. Well, anyway, back to running. There are two ways of running, and, I, and some of my river trails that I run are very treacherous, and um, they're long ridges, and um, they're, they're off the beaten path. And I notice that there's two ways, like when you're running, you, you have to be uh, very conscious of the ground beneath your feet. Um, because you, you twist an ankle and you're five miles off the beaten path, that's a long way to get back, and nobody's going to come out there and get you. But, and so you have to pay attention to what's under your feet, but you also kind of keep your eye on the horizon. You keep your eye on the path that's before you. And when I was thinking about that analogy one day, it was just like hit me that I'm I'm always conscious of where my feet are landing, but I'm also conscious of where I'm going. And you just, you know, we kind of do that, right? And so I was thinking that this journey with God, there's this sense of being super present right now. I'm super present in the moment, and, and I, I want to extract all the nutrients out of a present moment. I don't want to be already in my mind somewhere else, another trip. I want to be fully present at this moment. I want to host his presence really well. So it's all about honoring the present moment, but I also live with this reality that my life is going somewhere. And so, you know, there's this future that I'm going to, but I'm also honoring the here and now. I love the now. I want to extract everything out of it, but I'm not completely satisfied in it because I know I'm going somewhere. Does that make sense? So we have our feet planted now, but we also have our eye on the horizon. And I believe that's why we, how we need to, to live in God, we... We live for today and plan for the future. If we're not careful, we have routines without renewal, and we never actually move into the future that we long for. The future is only an extension of the past. Without a disruptive moment that changes the course, we end up repeating the same things year after year. And so we have to live with this awareness that there's something more coming in our life. Remember, Jesus loved to say, the hour is coming and now is. The hour is coming and now is. The future's coming and it's now present because the future actually arises out of your present moment. And so I get to orchestrate my future based on my choices that I have right now in this present moment. And so I have to live with this awareness that, that something happened. The seeds of that future hour are actually with me right now. You know, and I was thinking of our relationship and relationships with other leaders that I've had, the seeds of those, those future moments are actually in the present moment. Yes. Because when you're sowing kindness and you're sowing generosity, five years down the road, that relationship could flourish into a partnership. Yes. Okay? I mean, my, my relationship with Michael Bredour at, at Bethel, if, you know, and some of those people, I remember the, when I first met them. So the seeds of your future moments are always... In your present moment, it's the relationships you have. It's being aware that God is orchestrating your steps. God's weaving the, the details of your life together to position, to bring good into your life. But if we go through our lives without awareness, I don't know when I'm going to have an inbreaking of heaven in any given moment. Yeah. 
So I have to pay attention because the seeds of my future moment are with me right now. So I live with this awareness that something good's coming. So I have this sense of expectation that, God, you're up to something. That's why when you wake up, you want to wake up with a sense of expectation because God is really trying to bring you into your future. So he takes you through seasons of transition. Transitions are in between places between one season and another season. So one season ends and you go through a transition. Okay? You have the ending of winter and you transition into spring. You start to see things begin to bloom and you know a new season's coming. Well, transitions are times in between, but it's not God enlarging your future because your future's already glorious in him. It's already been determined before you ever were formed. You were formed perfect for your destiny. So your future is glorious in him, in his fullness. But right now, your present reality can't see it because so much of what he's doing working in you is outside your awareness. It's beyond all that you can ask or think. So it's beyond your awareness. So you're looking at your life and you're seeing limited things around you and you're saying, how can I be brought into something great when I, what I'm seeing right now is not so great? Well, God takes you through transition and transitions are not God enlarging your future. It's enlarging your capacity to embrace what's already in your future, what your present focus can't see here. You know something good's coming, so he awakens you by a promise to get you go through a process that actually prepares you for the fulfillment of the promise that you receive back here in a low place. Okay? So this God is is always at work with us and, and, and these dreams that we carry in our heart. And when Paul said, I have this compelling focus... And he said this, and this is in, the, uh, in Philippians. And he says, you know, even though he's accomplished so much in his life, he's towards the end of his life, and he said, I've not really attained the fullness that I'm looking for. And he says, but I have this one compelling focus. And he says, I forget all of the past, and I fasten my heart to the future. And, and with you... And me, where you're at today, even though things may be good in your life, and, and I think they should be, in the present they should be good, your, foot, your, your steps could be firm, but maybe they're not so good. But there's the hope of more. That's why it's a future with a hope. Does that make sense? Yeah. So God wants to, you to go by virtual reality into your future moment to bring the joy into the present moment to inspire you to move forward. And what Paul said, he said, I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal of gaining the victory prize through the anointing. And the primary, fo- the primary point of focus, when Paul said, I have, this is my purpose, this is my gain, this is my, what I'm going after, forget that and pursue this. Because when you look at focus, it increases our intention. I become very intentional about what I go after. There are so many things that distract us. And I don't even need to go down that road. I mean, we're so multitasked and media-focused. There's so much going on. But the primary point of focus, it increases our intention in living. And I think we need some intentionality in our life. And actually what these two steps, when I think about this, you know, I like when the New King James, he says, one thing I do, 
And then he tells us two things. <laughs> this one thing I do, I forget the past, and I look this way, and I thought, wait, Paul, that's two things that you do. But I think the point of that is, it is the intentionality of focus. How focused do you feel in your life? Now, that's an important question, because when I look at these two steps, is one, I have to move on from where I've been. If I'm going to increase my focus, I need to move on from where I've been. I have to be aware of my distractions. I have to know where I'm diffusing my energy. I have to know where my joy robbers are. I have to be aware of this, and I have to begin to prepare myself and live as if I mattered. That the world is waiting for me to believe that I do. That's the first thing. I need to move away from that. And now I need to awaken the dreamer inside. Champion the dreams that I carry. Live with intentionality as I move forward into the future. It's interesting that this word focus comes from a Latin word meaning hearth or burning center. So the hotter your burning center, the greater your focus. Your burning center becomes the fuel of your passion. When we have this intentionality and this focus about where we're going. I believe that the world needs to be a better place. I would love to see your whole community to carry the culture and the atmosphere of your church. But this is where it starts. This church becomes a portal where heaven can touch this place. And then you carry it into the world around you and sow seeds of it everywhere. You can gradually change your culture. But not only is it a courageous act, it's a creative act. We have to live our lives like artists. We have to live our lives in such a way that we say, "I'm, I'm an artist because God calls me a masterpiece. And as I said the other day, you may feel like you're a piece of work. But that means you're an unfinished piece of work. But the final brush strokes haven't been laid yet to the canvas. Your life is a work of art and you need to look at your life as if it were a work of art. Do you agree with that? Where your life becomes the canvas. You create such a beautiful painting on the inside and then your life becomes the brush from which you paint the world around you. We change the world around us by what we carry on the inside of us. So i got to work on this part of me. I have to get my dream into the earth. Now, I do want to share just a couple things to help bring this into focus for you. And I want to just ask you just four questions. I believe the four questions. First question is, what is it that you want? Are you clear on what you want to go after in your life? Because people that, I've noticed this when we did the assessment, the Destiny Profile Assessment, that, we, that we've done this a number of times with people. I do Destiny Lab at Bethel Church, and a lot of people come up and said that my assessment shows that I'm really balanced in my life. Like the, the, the builder, recruiter, all those are fairly balanced. And I said, how confused are you? That was my next question. I said, I'm very confused. You're confused because you're balanced. Because people that are very balanced in their life, they don't know what to go after. When people are really high on one area, they just like, oh, that's what I go after. Nothing else seems to show up on the radar. 
because they seem so focused in one area. But if you are a person, you have a lot of dreams, you're, you're creative, or your, your imagination is designed to receive downloads from heaven where you're just always sparking with creativity of a lot of dreams. But this question is so important, is what is it that you want? And you remember the story about in Mark's gospel where Jesus was, his entourage was moving down a street and there was this guy named Bartimaeus on the side of the road. He's crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tried to hush him up and Jesus finally called him to stand in front of him. And I, I love, I love this, this story, this encounter, because Jesus is looking at a blind man, dusty from the road, and people had to you know, drag him in front of him, uh, and then he's asking a blind man who obviously needs his sight, and he says, what is it that you want? You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, I don't know if the guy was cynic or not, I don't know if he called Jesus Captain Obvious, um, you know, because you're a prophet, you should know that I need my sight. But I think there's a point of the story of why something so obvious has actually made the point of the story because it all comes down to knowing what you want. Because in this story, in, think about this in our world, that many times, you know, I mean, this man could have said, you know, I heard you're a carpenter. Could you make me a cane? You're a man of influence. Can you get me a service animal? Could you give me sight in one eye? I don't want to ask you too much. How about a new pair of glasses? How about decent vision? How about if I had some, some, some people that can carry me around and guide me through the streets? No, he was very clear in what he wanted. He says, I want my sight. And I think it's very important for you and I. And he said this to a man who was, who was lame in his legs. He walked up to him and waiting for people to drag him into the pool. And he says, hey, do you want to be made well? You know, and why does Jesus ask stuff like that? Because it comes down to the point of really what you want. And this is the nature of God. We have to understand. And, and some of us just sit there all day long on the side of the road or by the pool waiting for someone to help us, somebody to come by and guide us. We're sitting there all day and say, why doesn't God do something? But he's asking you the question, do you actually know what you want? And there's got to be a boldness in our heart where we say, God, I know what I want. This is what it is. And be willing to declare it because then heaven and earth begins to move towards those who actually know what they want. And so it comes down to this reality is do you actually know what you want? Because I think a lot of us have been willing to settle. This man wasn't willing to settle. And I came to this reality that, 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 that some of us are willing to settle for less than what our dreams are. So we keep adjusting our lives to be able to, com- to accommodate a certain comfort level so I don't go after the greatness. I don't think a lot of us are fearing failure. We're fearing success because of what it's going to cost us. And so this, I'm thinking, I, I, had, I was praying about this, is what if I'm limiting what God can do in the earth because I think so little of myself? And when I talk to people, I think I, it doesn't take long to help people to understand the narrative of their own self-esteem, all the disqualifiers of why they can't go after it or why they can't do this, all the more excuses than solutions. And, and, and so think about this. And think, what if we're limiting what God can do in the earth because we think so little of ourselves? What if we spent less time complaining about people who oppose certain people in politics 
and actually got involved in the politics and created some solutions. Why do we so easily dismiss ourselves from being part of the solution, but we only make ourselves part of the problem by our limited access to those who are gatekeepers? So I'm thinking, what are, we, what are we limiting in the expression of God in the earth because we don't believe we can do it? But what if you had that genie in a lamp sort of experience with Jesus and he walks up to you one day and he says, what is it that you want? Because in reality, he is. Not that he doesn't know what you want, but he wants to know if you know what you want. He already knows what you want because he put it in you in the first place. Anytime you see a lock on any door, you have to know there was a corresponding key that fits the lock. No one makes a lock without a key to unlock it. There is no problem that exists without a corresponding solution to that problem. There are no unsolvable problems. If you learn to solve the problems in your life, you will create your capacity to be a solution creator and promotion will eventually come and wealth will begin to flow. The bigger problems you solve, the wealthier you'll become. The problem is we don't have failure in our life. The problem is we've quit on ourselves. What we call failure was really quitting. We have to stop quitting. We have to stop quitting on ourselves and start creating solutions for the problems in our life and keep going after it until we can solve bigger and bigger problems. I want to participate in my future success. Does that make sense to your heart? So what is it that you want? That's the first thing. And the second thing is who will you become? Is who will you become? What character are you going to need to be able to handle the level of influence and success that God wants to bring into your life. Joseph is a great story. He was favored, and he had the multicolored coat. I think he was just like an early hipster. He just was walking around sporting his coat. He told his dream prematurely to his brothers. They spurred their jealousy, and he ended up being betrayed and let down in a pit, sold into slavery mistreated, he went through this long journey, but at the end of his life, he saw that God was at work the whole time because he never gave up on the dream. And as long as you never give up on your dream, no matter how many people let you down in a pit or forgot about you in the prison or falsely accused you, no matter how many people, if you do not give up on the dream, God will see it to its fruition. And he'll give you a new perspective on your pain and you'll see that he was at work in your history to redeem it for the sake of your future. As long as you don't give up on that. But God-sized dreams need God-sized hearts. So God will continue to take these places where pain surfaces and all these things surfaces and limiting beliefs are exposed and all those things, not to make you fail, but to make you grow. So always ask yourself, what kind of person am I going to need to be? We don't want to get into this place where I have a greater influence than what my character can handle. Does that make sense? We don't want to be paupers in the palace because we'll never understand the level of our own influence and the significance of our words, and we end up hurting the people around us. So we have to go through this process. Uh, Chris said something recently, Chris Valentin, and I've seen this in action, and he finally put 
the lyrics to the melody I carried in my heart about this reality. And it was this. He says, as time passed, I came to understand that if you put people in an environment around them that they perceive to be better than the environment within them, they will reduce the environment around them to match the environment that they believe they have within them. In other words, we sabotage our own success. So if I carry a certain environment within me that's based on limiting beliefs and low self-esteem, and I come into an environment that I perceive to be greater, then I work to sabotage my environment to make it as small as what I believe I carry inside me. That's why people keep marrying down. They end up with relationships that don't require a lot of them because they think so little of themselves. And they wonder why they keep repeating abuse year after year after year. Or they keep staying in low-level jobs when they really want more. Or they go after the more and then they end up losing the job because they don't quite, they're not quite able to take their capacity and match the level of envir- the environment that they're going into. Does that make sense? So we have to go into this place where I say, God, continue to enlarge my capacity. Don't make excuses for why you can't go after it. Ask God, who are you becoming to me now in this season so you can prepare me now for where I'm going in my future? Cooperate with him in this journey because he's taking you somewhere. Stop settling for a low self-esteem that goes from a faulty self-concept. Start to understand who God says you are because God says before you were formed, I knew you and I destined you. You had an identity and a calling and then he wired you perfect to fulfill both. And he's at work now by his power in you to make that a reality. So I say, God, who do I need to become? I said yesterday or the night before, I said, it's time to blow out the, the candles on the pity cake. We have to be done with pity parties. We have to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. That's wasted energy. And I'm not saying anybody in here does. I don't know y'all. When I used to say that in my own church, I had hate mail afterwards saying, why are you preaching to me publicly, <laughs> telling everybody you're on business? I never used your name. Just because your name was on the pity cake. It wasn't my fault. Okay, so what do you want? Who are you to become? What are you to embrace? What are you to embrace? The story of two men whose lives intersected happened one day out of a dream. Peter was in in Joppa at a tanner's house And it was lunchtime. He was on the roof, if you remember the story. And he went into a trance at lunchtime. And pastor told me I should be done by 12.10 because it happens to the church at lunchtime. People start to go into a trance. It's It's time for lunch. Okay, so he went into a trance at lunchtime. And in the trance, it's kind of funny now that I think about it. He saw a picnic blanket being let down from heaven. And on the picnic blanket were all forms of animals that were unkosher to a Jewish man. The word of the Lord came and he said, rise, kill, and eat, Peter. And Peter says, not so, Lord. I don't eat that kind of junk food. So he says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. At the same time, a knock comes on his door, and it was representatives from Cornelius' house who represented a non-Jew, a nation who hasn't received the gospel. Actually, a people group that the Jews did not even associate with. 
And so as he was in conversation, the Lord gave him a vision for this, about this dream. He says, this isn't about food at all, is it? It's about calling unclean what I've called clean. And then he says, oh, I'm going to go. And as he went to Cornelius' house, the spirit fell and a whole nation was opened up to the gospel. The reality of that is there was a, a people group that was outside his field of vision and his sphere of concern. He, has a, he had an opportunity blindness to what was around him until God showed him that in a heartbeat. And I'm thinking for you, what might be in your future that right now is outside your field of vision and your sphere of concern? And just share one quick story. When I was going to Santa Fe to visit my mother in her later days, my brother lived there, my younger brother, and we had moved her to Santa Fe from northern Ohio. And I knew if I went to visit her, I would need to go visit my brother and spend some time with him and his partner, who um, both are, are gay. And I said, and the problem with my relationship with my younger brother is when he decided to come out and let us know that he was gay was when he was my youth pastor in the church that I pastored. And his wife was the children's pastor. So he decided that he wants to start living his truth, and he told me that he was a homosexual, and he was leaving his wife. Well, she ended up dying of cancer within a year and a half of the pain that she experienced from that rejection. He went on to start to live his lifestyle, and we went into this cold war between us because I didn't know how to embrace that as a lead pastor when my younger brother was, was gay who used to be in the ministry. It put me in an awful political position in the church, and so we were estranged from each other for a long time, and we tried to make amends and repair the relationship as much as we could. But then I knew that there would be conflict because he was a little warrior and I was as well. And every time we came to this subject, it was just created warfare between us and a point of contention. And I knew I didn't want to face that when I went to see my mom. So I took it before the Lord, and I said, God, what am I going to do with Jamie and CJ if I... If I go there, I know I'll probably end up staying with them, and I don't want to get into conflict because I love feeling good. And I, and I felt the Lord come back to me, and he says, what do you think they need? And I gave him all my things that I thought they needed, and he didn't, it was silent because he didn't agree with any of them. And he asked me again, like, what do you think they need? And I says, I don't know, I guess they need something because I was told something by someone who had come out of that that they believe that many homosexuals have sexualized a need for intimacy from a strong man in their life because many of them had father issues and they longed for that intimacy that became sexualized. I believe the, the enemy can hijack any of our wounds. So I said, well, in light of that reality of what I believe, I said, I probably, they need a father's love. And he said, then be that to them. And I said, God, that's kind of your job. You're the... <laughs> you're, you're the heavenly papa. And he was silent. And I asked him, what does it think it should look? I said, well, what about the fact that, kind of like you said, that that was like an abomination and all that. I start quoting scripture back to God, and he was silent again. And he said, Be, he said represent me. Represent, two words, re-present. In other words, present me again to them. And it just took me a few days to kind of recalibrate that and try to get his presence on that. And then I flew out to Santa Fe and, and went there. And 
I had this unique grace on my heart, and I went there, and, and I, just, I just loved on those guys. And, you know, I didn't, we didn't talk about anything. We didn't talk about issues. I just loved them. I, just, I went there and said, show me your heart for these men. And we ended up having an amazing time together and just never got on the subject. And, and then my mother died not too, too long after that. And I flew back to northern Ohio because my mom was a part of my church and my community was there, all knew her. So I ended up doing um, the funeral for my mother. And um, in, during the funeral, I honored my brother and CJ publicly. I mean, there's a lot of people, more, you know, twice as many as this that were there. And, and uh, I just said, you know, I want to honor my brother and CJ um, for how they cared for my mother. And I said, I don't know two guys that could have loved her any more than they did. And I just was saying this stuff to them. It was the first time I ever honored my brother publicly since he came out. And um, as I said that, not only did Jamie and CJ come up, come up to me and said, thanks for, you know, calling us out and honoring us like that. It meant a lot. It was like their whole community. There were like 30 people from their community um, that, that were also there that came from nearby communities that knew Jamie back in the day. And they came up and said those words were so kind. And I just felt these hearts were melting. And, you know, and I was thinking, God, those hearts matter to you. In spite of whatever level of, uh, you know, wiring, confusion, confusion we all walk in, our hearts matter to God. And I think who is outside our, our, our field of vision, our sphere of concern, because we've dismissed them because of how we think. And I'm thinking, what people groups, what kinds of people might be outside that, our field of vision right now, sphere of concern, that God says, I want you to embrace them. So who, so who are you to embrace? What do you want? Who should you become? Who are you to embrace? And what must you face? The fourth thing that you have to ask, if you're going to create the life of your dreams, you're going to need to dream really big. You have to go after that. And there's a sense where I have to go. It's not a, see, this is where we need to realize your big dreams are not about you. Yes. And I don't mean that to sound mean, And I say it's not about you. It really isn't about you. It's about what God can do through you. And I I realize I don't, I'm not the only one who suffers if I choose to live a comfortable and diminished life. If I choose to play it safe, it's just not me who suffers. It's my family that suffers. My son and my daughter who look up to me, who are going after their own dreams and they're watching how I do it. It's the students that I minister to in our community. It's people that I communicate with. It's you find people today. If I chose to play it safe, I probably wouldn't be here today. And so I'm thinking, who is on the other side of our obedience if we choose to live our dreams in a big, wide-open sort of way and position ourselves in such a way, this really isn't about me. It's really about what you want to do through me. And that's scary to a lot of us. But if we let go of the outcome and the insecurities and we allow God to become big through us, we can position ourselves for amazing adventures in him. And I think of the scripture over in Ezekiel 37. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. When he went into this valley, which represented hopelessness in the people. 
He saw fragmented bones. To me, it looks like shattered dreams, dryness. And how many people just their lives feel dry and fragmented and disconnected, psychologically dislocated from family, from roots? And I'm thinking, what if like our community, our, like Richmond, was just this valley of dry bones? There's no life in them. And just think of this vision, and even in your own life, what does that represent for you? Do you feel hopeless in any area of your life? Are there any areas of your lives that feel like it's, under, it's, it's not under a vibrant hope? Shattered dreams, hope deferred, can make the heart sick. We lose our ability to hope sometimes when we've been disappointed too many times. Because hope is experienced on a feeling level, a visceral level. And if I've been hurt so many times in here, I begin to wall off this, and I no longer feel my hope. It becomes on a cognitive level, then I have to logically try to make it happen. But hope needs to be an inspiration that we feel from our spirit. So this idea of when he was walking out here and he says, you know, the word of the Lord says, can, these, can they live again? And he says, you know, a wise answer is only you know God. There's some things I don't know. I can only say I'm trusting you. Then he told them about prophesying and those begin to be shaking. You know, we're living in such a day that the, 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 the heavens are shaking right now. There is a shaking going on. And there's a shaking going on in our own lives because when God sends out a sound over the earth, all the strings that are in tune with it begin to resonate. There's a message that's going out from heaven right now, and it's resonating with people who are dialed into it. It's like this get ready because there's a massive harvest coming into the kingdom. All the other kingdoms of this world are being shaken. They're being exposed. And it's being uncovered. And this is the time like... A diamond against black velvet. It's time for the church to really emerge out of the darkness to shine its glory in these final hours. And it's time for you and I to realize we're part of the solution. We're part of the forerunners. We're part of the ones who make this happen. And that's why we said resonate with the dreams that we carry in our heart. Dreams of greatness. Whether it's for businesses, it's for culture, it's for music, whatever it is, the dreams you carry in your heart need to come alive. They need to awaken. They need to shine bright. But we have to get off the sidelines. And, and this other thing is when the, the army came together, when the bones came together, there was structure, but there was still no life in the structure. And then he was commanded to, to, to call on the winds, and then the winds of God began to breathe on the structure, and the structure came alive. So even though you feel like there's structure to your life and there's structure to your dreams and you still don't know how they're going to come to life and that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to call for the winds of God to begin to blow on those parts of your life that are coming together so you can rise up and become a great army. So what do you want? Who must you become? What are to embrace and what are you to face? It's time to face down every fear reframe the fear and let it fuel our future. I realize when I run into my fears, it becomes the portal of every opportunity I've ever had. It looks like something that should be an obstacle and end up being a gateway into something more. My future is on the other side of my chicken line. You know, there's a chicken line we all have. Your future is on the other side of your chicken line. 
And you don't want to let a line. I had a, a dog, it was um, named Dakota. I'm not even sure what kind. She looked like she could have been part coyote. It was just an ugly looking dog, but she was spirited. And I, anyway, I put an electric fence in my, in my backyard and, uh, and I put a collar on Dakota and I would take her to the edge of the fence you know, where it was under the ground. It took me two days to lay that fence around two acres because I wanted her to run free. And it would just buzz her a little bit, and she'd yelp and run back. And, and she, we did this several times. I trained her for a whole day. And then one day, she was out playing, and she decided she was going to run. And she started running towards the fence because she loved to get down the road and just run towards open fields, and just run, run, run. So she started moving towards that fence, and she started yelping. And she ran harder, and she was yelping even more. And she just yelped her way right through the fence. <laughs> Because she's just yelping the whole time. Then she hit the road and just gone. And I was, gonna, I was mad at first, but then I just laughed because I thought, man, she just ran right through her pain to get to her freedom. Yeah. It was just amazing just to see that. And I just think that's what we need to do. You know, the, the, the limitations that have been defined for us, that we move towards them, we start yelping, and we want to back down. But I think it's just get a full steam and run towards our future in spite of the pain and push through the pain into freedom. No longer allowing our fears and our pain and our limiting beliefs hold us back. The world is waiting for you to believe that you matter. God is waiting for your dreams to be realized. These dreams just weren't your idea. They were his. Would you stand with me? And the last question I would ask you is, are you ready to live? You know, you might be going after it, but I know there's more. And this isn't about striving. This is about becoming the best version of you. This is about your own personal excellence. Hmm. So we're going to live our dreams wide awake. Papa, we thank you. And I believe that there are sons and daughters in this place that are determined to experience the breathtaking collision of the potential they have within them with the opportunities that are around them. And I thank you for that, Papa. I thank you that these dreams that are in our hearts were your idea. That there's nothing that you placed within us. There's not a corresponding need in the earth with what we carry. And I just thank you for the dreams of being entrepreneurs. To be people that change governments. People that change kingdom realities in every field that they find themselves plowing in. I thank you for the leaders of this house who embrace heaven's vision for a community of people that become mobilized for ministry, to bring impact into the community. I thank you, God, for this community of believers that carry the essence of heaven wherever they go. You can just feel it in the atmosphere. And we thank you for that, God. Just think about that just for a moment before we leave. I just want you to consecrate in your own heart to think about those four things. Is what is it you want? 
I want you to be bold with that. Stop minimizing your value before God. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're not becoming a son and becoming a daughter. You are one. And I want to just be, I want to honor the moment. If you're in here and you don't feel like you're a son or a daughter, it's time for you to come home. Your heart knows that. Your heart started out with God. You start, you, you've, you, you may have wandered from God, but you started from Him. That's why our hearts long for His presence. And I just want to encourage you right now, if you're, if you're just like, pray for me right now, I just, want to, I just want to come home. I want my heart to come home. I want to know, I want to know that I am a son. I want to know that I'm a daughter. Would you just raise your hand and we'll pray for you. We're just going to pray for you first. Anybody in here, just raise your hand. Yes, we are. Anybody else, raise your hand. I Make sure I can see. Uh, yeah. daughter and she just acknowledged right now she wants her heart to come home yeah yeah Papa she acknowledges her love for you and I thank you that you're just bringing her home right now I feel it in her heart washed clean no judgment no condemnation the one who said, Behold, I make all things new. Thank you, God, right now for allowing this lovely daughter to receiving her, bringing her home. And she gives her heart to you right now. And he makes all things new. I would like for a couple ladies to come and love on this daughter and just love on her. As we are in this atmosphere, could you just consecrate your own heart, know what you want, know who you are to become, what needs to change, and just consecrate yourself and invite Holy Spirit to come right now and I just want to pray I just want to release you know I, I hear this often that there are there's nothing released from heaven until a declaration is made and I'm going to make release a declaration for Holy Spirit the winds of God to breathe on those areas of your life but I want you to hold in intention the desire of your heart I want you to see what it is you're going after. I want you to see it as clearly. Use your imagination and recreate it in this moment, in your reality, and hold it in intention because that's what Spirit's going to breathe on. See it. 
I thank God for this lovely daughter that just came home this morning, right? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on these places of our life. Where there was hopelessness, God, breathe upon that again. You said you would not quench a smoldering ember. So breathe on those smoldering places of our life. Breathe on those smoldering places of our life. Breathe on them. Let it glow hot again. Those that have given up on their dreams, God, just breathe upon it. Bring hope and restoration. And hear Jesus whispering, Behold, I make all things new.